Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos here today. Our episode today is brought to you by betonline.ag, and we're doing something very special, everyone. So sit back, relax, and strap it down. It is the White Sox Fantasy Baseball Pod. We're going to pick five starting pitchers, one closer, in a snake draft. So let's meet our players today with the first pick in the draft. We're just going to say hello real quick. He's got plenty of gas, and he's more than just a can of corn. Dave Rispoli, everyone. Mercy, let's do this. Welcome, Dave. And everyone, very special guest. Call your sons, call your daughters, call your friends, call your neighbors. It's Pat Reedy. What's up, Pat? You got to be believing me. (laughs) (laughs) The next pick in the draft, the number three, you'll be seeing in just a second. Ask him any time to tell you a story, and he's probably going to tell you a story about Yaz. It's Mike Choi. Put it on the board. (laughs) Hi, guys. And finally, myself, Carol Gribbins from Bolingbrook, and all of the men, women, and dogs that lived and died during the Civil War. Our pick to click today, Jeff Abbott. No, it's Nick Borowski uh, coming from the South Side. What's up, Nick? Hey, Joey. Uh, as uh, Azaru would say, my mang, my mang, Joey. <laughs> Good to have you. Bringing in the tall guy, bringing in the big guy right now. So we've all got our Sox memorabilia on. We've got Manny Ramirez in the background of Choi's. Uh, real quick, Dave, what, sh- what jersey are you wearing? Is that the JD, the Jermaine Dye? Uh, this is the Dwayne Wise. The Dwayne Wise? Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Deep Actually, it's, it's, uh, it's Creedy. Oh. oh, beautiful. Yeah. The 400-pounder, uh, if you've seen him lately. Yeah, he's got many, many yeah, versions. He's, he's eaten all the previous third basemen. So here's how it's going to go, and we're going to launch right into it. We're going to be f- picking five all-time starting pitchers and one closer to make up our all-time pitching staff in White Sox history. You can pick any player from a single season, and we're going to start right now, Dave. Let's just launch right into it. Dave, number one pick, you are on the clock, number one fantasy choice, White Sox all-time history. Yeah, this, this, is, a, this is a slam dunk. I was so excited to get the number one overall pick, Joey. Just to let everybody know, I understand this is a fantasy draft, but I will be choosing from the heart today. This is an all-heart lineup. It doesn't get much more heart than Mark Burley, guys. I mean, this is a no-brainer. To me, he's the greatest White Sox that ever existed. He's my all-time favorite. He's on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, I just started looking at some of his career numbers because I I, I tapered off the Mark Burley train uh, in the Toronto years just a bit. But he had 159 victories and ended his career with a 3.79 ERA. I mean, I'm just thinking of some of my favorite games. I'm thinking of a no-hitter versus the Rays, the perfect game. Then he played a World Series and came back in in relief. That was freaking epic. And then, of course, the first base flip, right? Under the legs, going down the first baseline, making that play. I've watched it about six times since even talking about this podcast. I'm stoked. Mark Burley off the board. I think probably 2005 when he won the World Series was maybe his best season as a pro, 16-6, and 3.12 ERA. And there's two things that I always remember about Mark Burley. And, boys, feel free to jump in if you agree with me. One, if you went to the ballpark and Burley was pitching, you knew you were in for a short afternoon. You knew you were going to be back in in pretty quick time. He had a Greg Maddox-like way of working. And the other one, too, is when you were at the ballpark and you were drinking a beer, there was a chance that Mark Burley was also probably drinking a beer at that exact same time <laughs> at the ballpark. Nick, go ahead and hop in. Yeah, I, I just want to, Dave, uh, anybody can jump in. A Hall of Famer in your mind, uh, Rispoli? Is he a Hall of Famer eventually? Uh, I, I think so, man. I, I, 
first ballot in my eyes, maybe. But yeah. what, what do you guys think? I, I, I'd say eventually. I mean, you look at the amount of seasons he put together in a row of 200 innings plus, and then the intangibles like gold glove, no hitter. He was never in the Cy Young conversation, but I think right. eventually the, the, the uh, committee is going to see his numbers and he'll get in. And he's Pat. a winner, man. He has 10 wins in like yeah. 12 seasons. Yeah, man. yeah. He's a winner. Reedy, hop in. Yeah, I, I do think that the intangibles that Nick's talking about, the perfect game, the gold gloves, the no-hitters, like if that doesn't push him over the edge, then something's wrong here. We're heading into an era, too, as well, where stats don't quite mean as much as they used to. And I don't know, Mark Burley's got the window dressing, right? Like you walk by – the house of Burley and like everyone's saying is just, it's just littered with every single different kind of award or every single kind of cool stat or every single thing that's like cool within a game that's possible. Go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, if he doesn't make it on the ballot, it's just because no one can spell his last name properly. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of trouble with it as a dyslexic. <laughs> Very tough, but now it does not sound the way it, it is written. I'm now sorry. he's on your team. Now you get to work on it. Mark Burley off the board with the number one pick. It means Pat Reedy's on the clock. Number two <laughs> pick. Oh boy, <laughs> Charlie Huff still on the board. <laughs> it's uh, this is an exciting time. We're we're not gonna. Well, let's just get right to it. Uh, Tommy John. Not. <laughs> that's a bigger part of baseball history regard to pitching than Tommy John. Now, did some research on uh, Tommy. This part, I'm not sure about the research. Uh, possibly the brother of Jimmy, uh, which would make Popeye in the house. But let's keep going with the stuff that we do know for sure. We do know for sure, uh, known for the ulnar collateral ligament reconstructive surgery, right? And uh, class valedictorian in high school, brains. Uh, started off as a reliever in 1965, versatile. Uh, and here are some of the folks that came back from Tommy John surgery to give them some more. You all right, Nick? Yeah, He's sorry. Right. I was dozing there for a second. Sorry. It's all right. It's all right. Class Valedictorian <laughs> didn't give the speech, though. Stuttering issue. Fun fact. But not for him. Uh, so here are some of the pitchers that came back from a Tommy John surgery. John Smoltz, Frank Viola, one of Nick's favorites. Uh, David Wells, Chris Sale, who we all know. The always oh. angry John Lackey and uh, the White Sox own Philip. Pronounce the H. All right. So that's what I got for you guys. So you got a good guy. He can't really represent the team because he has a trouble kind of speaking in front of public places. May or may not be the cousin of Elton. And, uh, you know, honestly, it's a legacy pick. It's really what it is. It's really where you start. Absolutely. You're starting. It's really and I'm going to have a fair amount of those today, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> You want to build a team to last, not a team just to win this year. And I get it. I totally get it. All right, let's keep it moving to number three. Mike Choi, you're on the board at number three. Tommy John off the board, man. Are you stumbling? Are you backpedaling a little bit right now? I've, you know, that's, uh, that's a tough one to top. But uh, I'm going to throw back a century, a century when it, it's, you know what? Doing this deep dive, like the White Sox had some amazing, amazing all-time pitchers back in like the, unfortunately, 20s and 30s of the 19th century. But uh, Oh, I gonna, remember. <laughs> but, a lot of uh, I, I have to go with uh, Mr. Ed Walsh, Hall of Famer. And probably if you just look at him statistically, one of the best pitchers of all time, much less one of the best Sox pitchers of all time. Uh, won a World Series in 1906 against the Cubs. Five seasons of 20-plus wins, including 40 wins in 1908. 40 wins. There's only two players in the history of baseball that have ever gotten that number. 
Um, in uh, we're talking about you know a guy who is the, still to this day the major league leader in lowest ERA ever with a one. 0.82 career ERA, not just a fluke one season ERA, a career ERA of 1.82, which is crazy. And this is how crappy the Sox were offensively even back then. He led the league in 1910 with a 1.27 ERA and still had a losing record. So that just tells you. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, he, was, he, he was throwing the mystery ball back then. And fun stat about that 1908 season when he won 40 games, 269 strikeouts, pretty good. 464 innings pitched. Uh, more, <laughs> Tommy John. more mileage than my 96 Lexus. Yeah, where can I get Tommy, Tommy on line three, please? Because uh, it's dangling. It's a dangler. Ed Sorry, Walsh. he's off the board. Not available. <laughs> yeah, too bad. Snoozy lose. Um, Ed Walsh off the board. Uh, Gummit. you know what I mean? Uh, we're moving to number four right now. Nick Morowski, you're on the clock, man. Some tasty options out there, but some studs gone. You know, I, I just can't believe that nobody has even touched a Cy Young Award winner. I mean, this guy, you go back to the 90s, good guys were black. Uh, he had a great windup. Uh, he had a great nickname, Blackjack McDowell, baby, 1993. Boom. Uh, Cy Young, 20-plus wins on several occasions, multiple all-star uh, you know, took the team to the playoffs, rough round against the Blue Jays. They had a great team, but Blackjack, come on, last Cy Young for the Sox. Uh, yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, I believe his best season was, let me see if I can pull it up here, 22-10, and 10, 3.37 ERA, 10 complete games, four shutouts in 1993, and then I believe, I believe he won 20 games the year before that. Big Blackjack with the herky-jerky motion, the limbs flying everywhere. And I believe, I think he might have been the guy that actually instituted grab some bench from Hawk, probably, I think, in the early 90s. I think that might have been right around when that started. Uh, he, was, he was awesome, man. He was electric. And uh, those, those early 90s rotations were great. And the shame is, too, he actually kind of flamed out pretty quickly after those years. Uh, he was out of the league by 96, 97 in a weird way. Yeah, I, well, you know, uh, that's what happens. You know, sometimes these players leave the Sox and you just never hear from them anymore. Uh, but come on, Cy Young Award winner, uh, legendary. Yeah, big time, big time ace uh, in the, from that 93 staff. All right, guys, I'm up. It is the end of the first round. I have the fifth pick, you guys. And I don't know, I'm kind of searching right now. I mean, we've got some, we've got a lot of maturity here. We've got some studs. We've got some aces. We've got a guy that can drink a beer. I don't know, man, I'm kind of looking for... I don't know, a tall drink of water, maybe a guy, a country boy who isn't afraid to fall off the truck every once in a while. Maybe a dude who looks at a uniform and he says, you know what, I can make this better. Let's make it work and let's cut it and let's shred it. I mean, I'm talking about the boy right now who just went through Tommy John's surgery. I'm taking Chris Sale off the board. I'm going talent. I mean, sailing takes me away. I mean, did he hate being a White Sox? Yes. Probably every single second, but 2016, 17 and 10, 3.34 ERA, 233 Ks, six complete games, 1.03 whip. Real quick, you guys, uh, general thoughts on how you feel about Chris Sale. He obviously went on to great success, hated being a White Sox, didn't want to be on the team. Dave, you're going to go first, and then we'll hit Nick. Uh, in the White Sox all-time pitchers, uh, strikeouts per innings pitched, he takes up four of the top 10 slots. 
First was his 2015 season, third 2014 season, fifth in his 2013 season, and eighth was his 2016 season. The dude's a beast, man. He fans him. He's a, he's a beast, uh, but, you know, never to be talked about in the Cy Young conversation is kind of alarming. Uh, you know, his high watermark was 17 wins twice. My biggest issue is how he had uh, Adam LaRoche's son, Drake LaRoche's back during that whole situation. I can't believe uh, how he was siding with Drake LaRoche, but he did have huge management issues. I think he hated Kenny Williams more than he hated the Sox. Definitely hated. Go ahead, Mike. And uh, you can't fault the guy for not liking wearing collars. I mean, he took scissors to those uniforms like a champ. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. But I think the most unsung thing about Chris Sale is, well, hopefully, is that uh, that trade actually ended up being a good thing for the Sox. I mean, he's kind of had a injury plague a couple of years for Boston. And uh, hopefully that trade giving us Moncada and Kopech is, you know, two cornerstones for the next decade. Hop in, Reedy. Yeah, and some of the other stuff with the Cy Young, I feel like he was hurt by bad offensive teams that he was with. And so maybe he didn't get into those discussions because he lost out on a bunch of wins because maybe we didn't have that firepower power behind him. But I don't feel any warmth towards this dude. Like we just talked about Burley. Everybody gets a smile on their face. You start talking about how much you love the dude. There's none of that with Sale from White Sox fans that I know. Like he was Disney villainish, prickly. What do we want to call it? Cacti? I don't know what we're going to call it. It was just not, not my flavor. Ice cold. Yeah, he had a bit of a Yosemite Sam kind of uh, gruff, little, little scratch, a little scratch to the uh, response. I mean, you're completely right. I think it was two seasons prior. He struck out like 279 guys and won like 11 games. And I think that's all you really need to know about the White Sox situation at the time. Yeah, and then on top of the that, body. Oh, 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 I was just going to finish. And also, isn't it funny that all the people that defended Adam Roche's little boy, like Adam Eaton and Chris Sale, all went on to win World Series? I don't know what that says, but it's, there's something. Something's being said there. <laughs> I'm not sure. Go ahead, Dave. I just was saying he has the body of a high school history teacher, too. There's just, like, zero <laughs> muscle on the guy. It's just so weird to look at him and be like, that guy can throw heat. <laughs> Hop in, Nick. Now, now, do you think his – do you think he's damaged goods now? Do you think, we, like, you know, he got the best yeah. out of his mechanics and now he just can't keep it together anymore? I mean, you can't – that motion is not sustainable, I don't think. Well, the damaged goods is definitely within the contract, right? So he's stuck on Boston no matter right. what happens. Even right. if he comes back and let's just say he's 85% of his former self, you're not going to be able to trade the guy. I do actually wonder if he's going to do the carry wood where later in his career he goes back and kind of becomes that closer, that late yeah. inning guy again, yeah. kind of throws some heat. And, you know, he's barking at people in the ninth inning. Yeah. And, you know, really, really, truly embrace that villain role. Um, I got one more pick here to finish up the first round, you guys. And I'm looking at my roster right now. I got Chris Sale, but I need a little meat on the bone. Um, I need a guy who won 21 games in 2003. And, uh, you know, I don't mind kicking back and having a good little time. I think I'm going to go with Esteban Loaiza, um, one of the best pitchers in White Sox history, one of the best drug traffickers of the 90s, early 2000s, as we would later find out. I mean, that's kind of good in a pinch in a back-end sort of way. Um, 2.90 ERA, which surprisingly is one of the lower ERAs you're going to find on any White Sox pitcher over the last 25 years. I mean, Esteban, I know you're in jail, man, but I'm throwing you a care package right now by picking you and putting you on my fantasy team. Esteban Loiza off the board. Uh, 
Joey, uh, he didn't even finish the season with the Sox the next year. He got traded. Can you imagine that? He Absolutely. Something games. He starts the All-Star game, which was in Sox Park in 2003, and they trade him to the Yankees the next season. I mean, how, how, how bad of a decline is that? I mean, it, I think we all – oh, hopefully we all remember that season. It was 2003. We were all in our prime, ripping and roaring up and down the streets of Chicago – but I just remember every time the dude stepped on the mound, he had that cutter. Yeah. And it was just up and down, one, two, three, almost every single inning. Like, the dude was pretty much untouchable. And I almost I, – I'll look – I could look it up later, but the 2.90 ERA sounded high. I think maybe he had a couple rough starts at the end of the year to maybe jack that up a touch. But, he man, that actually, dude, He was third in the rotation, if you can believe it, with, with uh, 20, 21 wins. That's crazy. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. The, I think the only one-hit wonder season, like the GOTA, the GOTA of uh, White Sox organizational history. Coming back down, number four, Murawski, you are back on the clock, man. You got another pick. Blackjack was your first. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm riding this hand, this Cy Young hand. Uh, you know, I don't remember this guy too much except for just, you know, replays and hearing, you know, family talk about him. But uh, he was the glue for that 83 pitching staff. Uh, traded away for a, a White Sox legend, uh, Lamar Hoyt. Uh, yeah. Lamar Hoyt in that 83 team, uh, he won the Cy Young, 13 consecutive wins. Uh, you know, some other guys on that team, like Bannister, like Raspoli talked about, eventually got traded to the Padres for Guillen. Uh, but, man, he was, he was awesome for a, for a stretch for the Sox. So I'm sticking with the Cy Young hot hand with Lamar Hoyt. Yeah, Lamar Hoyt and Blackjack. Right now, if you walk into a bar, you're probably going to win the bar fight. Your, your team's yeah. looking pretty good on the muscle <laughs> side of things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number three, coming back to Choi, you're on the clock. Your first pick was Ed Walsh. Well, I know um, I had to go all the way back to the World War I era for my first round pick. So we're going to go a little bit more recent. Yes, World War going... II. <laughs> yeah. And, well, actually, not yet. We're going into the uh, 20s. We're going with the Mr. Ted Lyons, another Hall of Famer for the White Sox. <laughs> He pitched 21 seasons with the White Sox, and obviously that kind of led to him being the all-time career leader for wins for the Sox with uh, 260. Um, he basically holds most of the Sox pitching records, him and uh, uh, Wilbur Wood. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, this guy, he had 365 complete games in his career. Like, who does that, right? Like, who has a rubber arm like that? So, you know, I mean, two Hall of Famers on my roster, I'm uh, feeling pretty good. Yeah, for the ladies looking for commitment, Ted Lyons goes the distance every time. 1927, Ted Lyons, 22 and 14, 2.84 ERA, 307 innings pitched. I mean, the guy's hauling. And you've got, a, uh, you've got some innings eaters on your team right now, Choi. How do you feel about that? You've got, you got some I mean, guys that are going to go the distance. These guys are, I mean, this just shows you that, like, I think in today's age of uh, babying pitchers, like, these guys threw, like, every inning of every game they pitched back then. And so, I mean, I don't, I don't know why that's any different than today, but uh, these guys are just, yeah, rubber arms, man, rubber arms. Coming back down, chopper to hopper to Pat Reedy, the number two pick. You are up. Tommy John was your first one. <laughs> guys. He's got his sheet out. It's a long so sheet. So exciting. Now, so much of this discussion has been all around my picks, and we're, we're going to come back to it eventually. Cliffhanger, you know, don't worry about it. We'll get there. Just talking about World War II, I had to switch my pick uh, to go back to this guy because World War II era, Virgil Fire Trucks, great nickname. 
fire trucks. That's great. Uh, 177, 130, uh, and 135 career record. Career 3.39 ERA. And how about this for longevity? Live to be 95. Woohoo! That. That, 95. That's an older fella. All right. Uh, first minor league season, gang, had 418 strikeouts. How about that for you, Virgil Fire Trucks? Now, here's the World War II tie-in, which I know everyone was waiting for. So take the drink, the World War II tie-in uh, drinking game. Uh, he missed two seasons, courtesy of World War II, then was discharged from the Navy two weeks later, pitched and won game two of the 1945 <laughs> World Series against the Cubs. That's insane. Now, of course, that was for Detroit. But two weeks prior, you're in World War II in the Navy, and then they release you, and you go two weeks later, throwing heat in the World Series in 1945. Let's hear it for Virgil Fire Trash. <laughs> Oh, and it was against it was against the Cubs too. It's like Cubs fans are like, I think we got a shot today. Who's this guy pitching over there? Oh, he just came back from the war. Like, ah, we're fine. And what's not to like about a guy that can beat the Cubs? I mean, you know, every White Sox fan should appreciate that about Virgil even more. I also pulled up 1954 at 37 years old. Virgil Trucks went 19 and 12, 2.79 ERA, 152 Ks. Guys, we're in our mid 30s. It's just got to feel good, right? I mean, he still he still brought it. He still did it all the way back then. Go ahead, Nick. It's good to have the uh, the 80s WWF wrestling uh, reference as well. Virgil, uh, Ted DiBiase's bodyguard. Uh, not too many. <laughs> uh, so just to get the Virgil tie, and I appreciate what Reedy did there. It was very clever. Very synergy, clever. synergy, synergy. We're coming down to the end of round two, Dave. You've got two picks at number one. Mark Burley is off the board. You guys are drinking MGD. You're having a good time. You're thinking about ordering a pizza at 2 a.m. Who else are you putting on your roster? Well, Joey, I'm torn because I have two picks. I mean, I could essentially lock up the 2005 World Series starting rotation if I really wanted to. They're all still on the board. It's very enticing. <laughs> but I tell you what, um, I, you know, I, I got to go back to – to consistency i need a little little consistency on my team and in the 50s um it didn't get more consistent than billy the kid price baby seven time all-star led us to the alcs championship in 59 um i mean this yeah at the time people were batting with cement bats and guts full of hot dogs and processed cheese but he was getting it done in the 50s uh billy the kid man that's my pick yeah billy pierce 1955 15 and 10 1.97 era 192 k's uh a guy that your grandfather if you're a white Sox fan your granddaddy's gonna be talking about billy pierce all the time that's a good pick man you got some of the you're blending the old with the new here you got one more pick bringing it back yeah. into round three what are you thinking yeah well you know i i'm James looking Shield. I'm, I'm looking here, <laughs> and I, I, it's never too early to get the guys you want in a fantasy draft, right? And any, I always say when we're, when we're playing fantasy, you want to get the best player at that position. We all have to pick a closer. I'm just going to go ahead and lock mine up right now. This isn't a, a visual podcast, but give me, give me him. Um, give me El Gordo. Give me him. Bobby Jenks. I mean, whoo. 
Do you remember how fun that was? It, it was like the closest thing we had to um, the wild thing entrance from Major League. When he came out, here comes the boom. It was so fun. Some of the Pat, best days I have remembering Bobby Jenks. Pat Reed, and hop in with the POD. Bringing, bringing uh, wrestling back, it did feel like a wrestling entrance. Because yeah. Ozzy comes out, everyone's looking to see if he's going to do it. He does the thing, and then the music starts, and this monstrosity comes out of the bullpen. It felt like a wrestling entrance. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and the dude delivered. 41 saves in uh, 2006, I believe it was. Uh, I mean, he retired 41 batters in a row to break the record at that time. The dude, the dude threw heat. He Where was, just, was he at the beginning of the season? Isn't that the craziest thing? Like, he came out of nowhere in the middle of the season. We're all like, what? who is this guy? And we then were relying on Matt Thornton. Yeah, and, and uh, Dustin Hermanson. Yeah. <laughs> he went was, from Shingo to Dustin to uh, Bobby Jenks. What, you know, what a trip. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, I definitely have his jersey. Uh, that's just like one of those jerseys that you get where like he's definitely not an all-time great Sox player, but if you wear it and a Sox fan sees you, you're either getting the wink or the fist pound, and that was kind of why I was trying to do it. Bobby Jenks, 240 save seasons. Out of baseball pretty fast. Yeah. He was a uh, yeah. he was, he was a he was a rising phoenix, burning hot. <laughs> Go ahead, Pat. <laughs> And didn't he sue one of the teams or like a team doctor and made like a bunch of money because he had some botched surgery or something? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, – oh, man, we're going to mess this up, but I thought it was Boston or something like that. He yeah, had like a – he had a neck surgery and he ended up uh, filing a suit. And uh, hopefully the big boy won, you know what I mean? Because uh, he's got a ring and now he deserves a little bit of that cash on the back end. Uh, closers off the board, guys. We're coming back to Pat Reedy. Uh, he's made it all the way up to 1955. Hey, we're going to go back in time. Going back. Going back to the opening day starter from 1925. Take him off all of your rosters. Hollis John Sloppy Thurston. Telling that from the dugout. Sloppy! Count Sloppy. Fun to yell enjoy that about a player also a heck of a player in 1925 opening day starter uh and now here's a fun fact about sloppy uh, he batted pretty well for himself in 648 uh, career plate appearances batted 270 with five home runs and 79 rbis that makes that better stats than some ron carcafice seasons mm -hmm. so Pretty nice. <laughs> Not bad for old Sloppy Thurston. Right size, wrong shape. Uh, That's right. right there. Sloppy Thurston. Uh, so now he's on your fancy team, Pat. Um, you know, Sloppy, are, you know, are you doing the Ozzie Guillen method where you're trying to just let Sloppy be Sloppy? Or are you trying to yeah. bring him in to, under your tent by your rules? No, I mean, you know, his nickname says it all. Let him be Sloppy. Let him do his thing. Uh, you know, you can't tame a wild stallion. You just got to let it run. And that's what I'm going to do with Sloppy. So, you know, kind of a kind of a clubhouse guy. There you go. Yeah. And this is what it's all about. It's not just about the stats, you guys. It's about shaping the roster, creating the culture. Go ahead, Dave. That's the perfect segue for my live read for Sloppy Joes. <laughs> Dean Sloppy Joes. Always extra sloppy. <laughs> 
Oh man. Moving one of four on. live reads. One of four <laughs> live reads coming. I got one coming up pretty soon too. But we're gonna do Mike Choi's pick here. Choi, you're on the board. Ed Walsh, Ted Lyons are your, your first two picks. Who are you going with? You know, these are these are this is a tough act to follow. Um, but uh, you know, I'm actually gonna bring it back into uh this century for a change, uh, with Ooh. an eye on the future. I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito as my number wow. three. Wow. Wow. Um, and again, this is hopefully a future pick. You know, um, basically is, uh, this was his second full year as a starter. Uh, only ended up going uh, 14 and nine, but uh, had 228 strikeouts, three complete games with an all-star selection. So I'm, you know, this is, this is uh, just me as a fan hoping that he can be that ace for, uh, you know, a roster that could be, you know, pretty stock for the next decade or so. So um, hopefully, uh, yeah, yeah. The, you guys all look back and go, wow, that was a sneaky, sneaky pick. Well, I was looking at Giolito and, uh, I mean, you know, face value, like he had a great two months, right? It seemed like every time he took the mound, he was at least going seven innings. And then when you look at those 228 strikeouts, I mean, this is a fancy draft. That's actually a pretty high number in White Sox history. I was kind of surprised he had that many. Um, and, man, since he changed that arm angle – and that release point, like the dude is just absolutely nasty. Like it's just coming out of his ear, which is pure steam. Um, I didn't think I was going to make that pick at all. Like, you know, when I looked at it, I was like, oh man, he's definitely like under consideration now. Um, I mean, just quick thoughts, you guys. Can Giolito, can he repeat that? Uh, is he the top of the rotation starter that you're thinking of or you'd like to see some more? I, I think if you go into what he puts in in the offseason and the work he does, even the mental work he puts in and the turnaround he had, I mean, this guy just has like the physical makeup and you know how mental this game is right now. And he's putting that work in. This guy is going to be a top of the line starter for this organization for hopefully a while. Yeah. And for Adam Eaton, not bad. Pat Reedy, hop in. He gave an interview with Steve Stone in the dugout last season at some point where he talked about how much his mental approach goes in everything and how he thinks about throwing the ball, where he puts, you know, his fingers on the ball for, you know, his cutter and everything else. And just like, it was so in depth. It was so thoughtful. Like you can tell this dude is a smart guy who puts in a ton into the game. And uh, obviously uh, if you guys get a chance to, you know, find that online, it is, a fantastic like five minutes of two really intelligent pitchers talking about baseball hop in mike and um you know i was fortunate enough to get out to spring training this year before the quarantine kind of uh, sucked us all inside and you know really good guy on top of that like you know the Sox were walking in and, and rightfully so they were just kind of like focused on the game but lucas came and was signing autographs for all the kids and he was actually pitching that day too so you know typically pitchers and I know it's spring training you know they focus on the game they don't really want to have any distractions but he was just saying hello and talking to people so it was like he just he seemed like a really good guy so hoping for the best for him and on top of that I did see that article with Steve Stone Pat and the other one that I thought was there was a um, adjacent article to it about Ronaldo Lopez trying to pick Giolito's brain about that same mental makeup and that same mental preparation because, you know, Ronaldo Lopez throws 97 miles an hour. And for whatever reason, you know, he can, he can lose it just as fast as he can find it. And yeah. I think that was a big part of what he's trying to capture too, as well. Um, moving forward. Um, all right, guys. Um, Rocky Biddle's still on the board, but we're going to do a live read real quick here. Um, just a quick question. You know, during these times right now, I'm sure you guys are gambling a ton. I mean, I'm sure you got your bookies on the other line. 
And, um, you know, while you're waiting it out at home, why don't we just have some fun? And when you're going to have fun, you can try betting at betonline.ag. No, no NBA, no NHL, no MLB, but that doesn't mean you still can't get your bet on with betonline.ag. So there's hundreds of places to wager, and there's still hundreds of things to still bet on, like esports, American Idol, Big Brother, the upcoming election, question mark, and a 750K poker series. Still plenty of fun to be had at betonline.ag, so use promo code MYPOD100. That's MYPOD100, M-Y-P-O-D-100, to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. MYPOD100, let us know that Believe sent you there, your online wagering experts. Back to the White Sox Fantasy Pod. Nick Morowski, I gave you a couple extra seconds there to contemplate your next move. We're in the oh. third round right now. Blackjack and Lamar Hoyt's on your roster right now. So, uh, Joey, I've got a polished one, too. Okay, I'm just going to paint the picture. I know who my pick is. Let me just paint this picture for you. 2005 ALDS. Sox are up two games, nothing to Boston. It, the series now is in Boston. All right, Sox want to finish this up, okay? They've got a lead. It's a slim lead late in the game. Bases are loaded, nobody out. We need some help. Okay, here, here comes a guy now who's got an unorthodox rota- uh, motion. We, we get him from the Yankees. We don't know what we're getting out of this guy. Orlando El Duque Hernandez comes in the game, silences the crowd, stays in the game for two more innings, finishes off the defending champs Red Sox, and we go to the ALCS. This guy will live forever as a legend, as a White Sox. You know, I mean – his numbers as a White Sack, whatever. But 2005, that moment will always enshrine him in the, in the fandom Hall of Fame. So El Duque is my uh, third pick. Uh, Dave, hop in. Uh, just a quick story. It's my favorite Chicago moment of my time there. I actually was on the train, the red line, right as they called him out. We were all listening on a radio. Everyone in the train was gathered around this one person's radio, and that's when we went underground and lost signal. And we had no idea (laughs) what was happening, and the whole train was freaking out. I got off at Harrison. I'm running around looking, and all I can see is this homeless guy in this corner with a tiny radio huddled up, and I go over and I go, do you know what happened in the game? And he looks at me and he goes, El Duque closed it down and gave me a big old hug. And he just, he smelled horrible. I didn't care. And he embraced me. And we just hugged as two White Sox fans in the middle of the street in Chicago. It was awesome. Pat Reedy, hop in. I love an old prospector as a homeless man. I got I to gotta say, uh, you know, and they're harder to find. But I was with uh, Nick Murawski in a uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, I believe. When this uh, game was on, and we lost our brains, is that correct, Nick? We did, we did. I just, I just want to follow back. That, that homeless was that sloppy Thurston that you asked. <laughs> is that who you got that information from? I'm sorry, I, I just <laughs> gold. I tell you, gold. Hail Duke and done closed it yeah. down. Hail Coach Reedy. I'll see him tomorrow morning. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Reedy, we were dining together at, at a Buffalo Wild Wings, and boy, that place was going bananas. That was, a, that was uh, an amazing memory. Um, I love the fact that you just used Buffalo Wild Wings and dining in the same sentence. Very classy. Sweet move. Um, I also just remember, too, like, because we had kicked their ass so fiercely those first two games in that game three. When shit started falling apart, you just kind of like, all right, we're well, coming back to earth a little bit. This isn't going to be that easy. But just the fact that we got out of that inning, 
And I believe Aguchi had an awesome game too as well offensively in that game. But just the fact that we got out of that inning was that whole like, are we doing this? Is this happening? Is this the team of destiny? Go ahead, Pat. Because also they were the comeback kids um, the season before, I believe, against the Yankees. And so it was like, oh, no, is this when it turns? Is this when Boston remembers who they are and they turn it on and then we're cooked? And then Duque shutting the door changed all of that narrative. But it was scary. I mean, it was just like, oh, no, it's, you know, the Boston freight train's coming through town and it was going to be bad. But then uh, it worked out. I'll never forget that moment. That was unbelievable. El Duque. El Duque uh, closed it down. <laughs> and there's here gold in the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. El Duque off the board. <laughs> tears dropping on top of the microphones all across this draft. Uh, I'm up, you guys. So, screw it. I'm going to keep it in 2005 right now. How do I not go to Jose Contreras? 2005, 15-7, 3.61 ERA. But that doesn't tell the whole story. I looked it up. In his final 15 starts, he went 11-2 and two with a 2.96 ERA. In September, he went 6-0 and with a 1.99 ERA. And then his final five starts of the season that also included the postseason. He went eight innings, nine innings, eight innings, seven and two-thirds, eight and a third, nine innings, seven innings to wrap up his season. The workhorse, the drop-down angle, uh, just suddenly something – Something him and Coop figured out and unlocked, and he just rampaged uh, the rest of the way on the way to a title. Go ahead, Nick. He's, he's got the uh, single-season record uh, for pitchers, 17 r- wins in a row. It actually expanded two seasons. 17 wins in a row. That's insane. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, like, he went on a heater like nobody's business. And, uh, I mean, we got the best of it. Go ahead, Dave. He's also – uh, leads the Sox all-time in one of my favorite stats. He's the all-time leader in wild pitches. Why? Because his pitches would go from 12 o'clock to 6 in a hurry. You remember those? They would just fall right out of the sky and go right underneath the catcher mitt. And it's not like A.J. Pruszynski was a small target. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a lot of ground that you yeah. could possibly cover. He actually had 40 wild pitches in a season once. I mean – Get out of here. The guy's – he can't be controlled. That's what it's saying. Oh, man. Just, uh, just a bunch of, bunch of, uh, bunch of uh, hang welcomes there for sure. Uh, and so I have to – I have another pick here. Let's see what I'm going to do. Actually, I'm going to go with one of my favorite pitchers of all time, and this is from my childhood. Got that smooth delivery and launched uh, him and Blackjack Jack McDowell team together to bring the goatee back to Chicago. That was then followed through by Paul Canerco throughout the years. I'm going Alex Fernandez. 1993, Ooh. Alex Fernandez, 18 and 9, 3.13 ERA. Homegrown stud, um, nothing too flashy, but uh, always got it done. One of the greatest, like the perfect, like number two starter in any kind of rotation. So I'm going Alex Fernandez for my, for my next pick. Coming back down. All right, you guys, we are in round four. It is official. Number four, Nick Murawski, you're on the clock. Uh, it, before I get to this pick, and I have it already, it's, it's already written down. Did Fernandez win a World Series with the Marlins in 97? Did he go he to did. the Marlins later? He did. Okay. He, he did. Uh, he, was, he was on the back end of the rotation yeah. by then, but he was still kind of like, you know, he was still yeah. spin, spinning yarn back there, you know. He was good with the Sox, man. Um, okay, here, here's a guy. I'm going to catch some flack for this, but, man, when he was good, he was great. 
and then he just fell off. Uh, he he had he had some arm problems. He needed he needed the TJ. Uh, but game 163, the blackout game, Johnny Banks. I mean, he he could bear down. He had that bulldog mentality. He had the open kind of jersey flying, and he had a bit of a, a goatee. Full of, he had a, all different kinds of facial hair going on. But I'll never forget that blackout game, 163. Sacks had a win like four games in a row, and he comes out and throws a gem against a feisty Twins team. And uh, and then after that, you know, it didn't go well for him. He did get a nice he, he did get a nice contract extension. I think the Sox favored him over Burley, but uh, it, it was that season, that game, and that was that was the John Banks era for me. So that's my fourth pick. Well, they traded him for Brandon McCarthy, right? So they had like a lot invested in him. Yeah, they definitely thought he was going to be the next Burley, and he was definitely kind of like kind of had the talent of Jose Quintana, but the balls of Philip Rivers, if that makes any sense. We're like, just had that kind of gamer aspect. And, uh, and real quick, I went to the blackout game 163. And cold as shit, uh, after I left the game, I ended up getting sick for a week, but it doesn't matter. It was amazing. I mean, obviously, remember Tommy parking one into that center field, into the center field uh, bush, bushery. And then my man, Ken Griffey Jr., with one of my favorite White Sox highlights of my life, gunning a down dude from center field. Couldn't hit anymore, but he still had that gun for one more, one more shot at home plate, throwing him out. That was such an amazing game. And it was one nothing, right? I think, the, I think it was just one nothing. It was. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. For me, John Danks was like the Nicorette gum to wean me off of that 2005 season of pitchers. It was like, he's, he's like them, right? Yeah. Yeah, we can get through this. <laughs> Give him fifty-six million. It'll be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but he, didn't, didn't he retire a Sox? I mean, he he only played for the Sox, correct? Um, uh, did he ever? Yeah. Once once he went down with elbow or shoulder problems, it was the you know he was doing the Mark Pryor towel drills and trying to do the minor league starts. And go ahead, Nick. They they I think he uh, they let him go in the middle of the season. I want to say I don't know if it was twenty fourteen. It was that season where we started off like twenty and ten. We had an unbelievable record, and uh, I think the Sox were like, "Look, we really need James Shields, and we're going to give the best young talent ever, Fernando Tatis Jr., to the Padres for James Shields because we want to make a run at this." Danks hit the road. We're giving everything to the Padres for Shields, and that ended horribly. Yeah, so uh, James Shields grunting after throwing a pitch. Uh, effort or hemorrhoids? Thoughts? Anyone? Just is there? Two, three, what is with here? us in the Padres? Didn't they give us Peavy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We love, we love, 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 love yeah. dealing with, with the Padres. Yeah, the Fernando Tatis for James Shields was uh, mm. not, not a good move. James Shields still on the board, coming back down to Choi. <laughs> We're just trying to tantalize you right now. We're just trying to, <laughs> trying to tempt you. Uh, well, I, I gotta, I gotta get a piece of that uh, World Series uh, rotation. So um, I'm gonna go with uh, John Garland. Yeah, Mr. John Garland uh, had 18 wins in that World Series year. Followed it up with another 18 wins the year after, and then uh, six straight seasons of 10 plus wins. So solid pitcher. I think he kind of uh, gets overlooked a lot of times, but good God, was that guy handsome? You know, he has a face for a program cover if there ever was one. Yeah, good looking dude. Took him a few seasons to really put it together. He definitely was kind of that guy that was uh, four shutout innings and then in the fifth inning, he's walking off the mound and he's like giving up five runs and you're like, what the hell just happened? I just, I just got back from getting uh, 
I just got back from getting a helmet, helmet of nachos. But um, yeah, that one season, man, he really, he really locked in. And another guy too, that was throwing complete games in, in the playoffs uh, in route to a world series. Go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, we were talking, Dave was talking about us having issues with the Padres. This guy uh, came from the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, after the last situation with Aloy Jimenez a few years ago in the Quintana deal, I feel like we've been taking care of the Cubs the last you know, decade. I think he was their number one pick. And I, I don't exactly know who we got him for, but yeah, what a steal. Uh, traded him for Matt Karchner um, because at the time uh, the Sox were making a playoff push and they needed a seventh inning eighth inning guy and uh that's pretty much uh that's pretty much how that goes all right so john garland off the board only a couple 2005 rotation guys left we're coming up next on pat reedy but pat reedy you got a live read first coming up uh sponsor this uh this live read sponsored by bridges want to get to the other side of something build a bridge (laughs) thanks so much bridges happy all right here we go uh so am i up yeah you're up man (laughs) all right uh, this, this one is a childhood pick. It's a nostalgia pick. Uh, loved the guy. Uh, you, you have to like a White Sox pitcher who can throw about as fast as your own dad. Charlie Huff, Chuck Huff, also mentioned earlier in the, in the uh, show here. Uh, one of, here's a fun fact, gang. Uh, one of three pitchers to serve up one of the three home runs to Reggie Jackson on three straight pitches in the 1977 uh, World Series. He was an all-star in 86, led the league, this shocked me, led the league with 17 complete games in 1984. I could not believe that, uh, especially for a knuckleballer. Uh, pitched for the Sox in 91-92 at age 43, where he pitched to Carlton Fisk, who was also 43. Thank you very much for that synergy. Uh, retired at 46, rare for a pitcher, uh, and uh, racked up 216 career wins and 2,362 strikeouts in a career. Uh, same amount of wins as always crazy, Kurt Schilling. Wow. Throw, and throwing knuckleballs, too. I always remember Charlie Huff as a kid. I mean, he literally looked like a grandfather. I mean, he looked like he was 67 years old, like anything was kind of possible at the time. And, and he was not Tom Brady's 43. You know what no. I mean? Like, you think about Tom Brady at 43 and this dude at 43. It was like, that dude could have been Tom Brady's uncle. Like, he, he was a, he was an elderly man at 43. Yeah. Like, you needed to gingerly clasp his elbow to help him up and down the dugout steps. Like, just to make yes. sure dad didn't fall down. You know what I mean? Like, it's just incredible. That's a great pick. Uh, wait, Dave, did you want to hop in or are you good? No. Okay. I mean, oh, Nick, Nick, hop in, and then it'll be your you pick. What? I think if I were uh, – Pat, uh, maybe you've got some intel on this. Uh, he His pickoff move to first is he used to throw it between his legs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you remember that? He Every now and then, he would – he's rattling the rubber, and he'd throw it between his legs. Talk about an old man move. <laughs> and what's amazing about it is Charlie Huff actually hung out with every member on Pat Reedy's fantasy team right now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sloppy Thurston. He actually, he actually babysat for Sloppy Thurston. Yeah. <laughs> Him and Virgil Trucks got into a whole, you know, situation oh, in Mexico City once. I still and- can't talk about it, but yeah, it, there was a thing. <laughs> Keep it all in the family. You're building a culture. You're building a, you're building a tight-knit unit right now. We're coming up to you, Dave. This is, uh, we're doing the end of round four right now, heading into round five. You guys, we're almost in the home stretch. Here we go. Yeah, I think it's only right that we just kind of round out that 2005 rotation. He needs to be in this conversation. 
Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with this guy. I feel like he was just one of Ozzy's guys. He just loved him. Um, but all I'll say is game four. You know, seven scoreless innings. When the lights were the brightest, he performed. Freddie Garcia, uh, you know, let's, let's get him off the board, shall we? Yeah, <laughs> Pat Reed is wiping the sweat. The dude could sweat. He also kind of, if you look at Freddie Garcia, you'd be like, he just looks like a Raiders fan, you know? Like just someone you'd <laughs> see in the, in the stands there with a beer and a hot dog. Yeah, the uh, always had a uniform uh, twice, uh, two sizes up from what was actually needed. Oh, he would constantly be adjusting his big giant uniform. Yeah, constantly sweating. Yeah. Sort of, a, sort of. Sometimes seemed like he was like being put out to perform and pitch because he was just kind of going really slow. Just like kind of sort of. All right, I'll just pick up this fucking ball again, I guess, and throw it again. Had that kind of mentality, but that's how he did it. He lulled him to sleep. Go ahead, Pat. I believe Sweaty Freddie was uh, also married into the Guillen family somehow. Isn't that right? I married like a Guillen sister-in-law or something Oh, well, like that? That, I, that explains a lot because I always knew that Ozzy had a soft spot for him. But Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I was going to say those, those gray away uniforms didn't really do uh, his sweating problem any favors. Uh, th there was discolorations uh, before he even got to the mound. Uh, yeah, he just yeah, he had that towel always, that large beach towel around his shoulder most of the time. Go ahead, Pat. And I, I knew that Carl Everett wore long johns under his uniform every single time he played, no matter what the weather was. Uh, and I, if you see Sweaty Freddy, you'd be like, well, I can see his arms, but maybe Carl got to him and he's wearing a couple of long johns <laughs> on the bottom half because he was a sweaty fella. Him and Carl going for the all-sweat squad when that – pod comes up let me know because i got a couple picks carl everett believes that you can catch a cold by a breezy draft in the stadium but he doesn't believe in dinosaurs so just something uh something to think about there something just to keep in mind dave you got one more pick as we're swinging into round five yes 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 um i was excited to see if this guy's still on the board um i mean this is one of my favorite stats about him in 91, he threw a no-hitter against the Orioles in his second major league start. I know where this is going. Balling. Wilson Alvarez, uh, I mean, he helped us to win the AL. Uh, uh, he helped us win the 93 campaign on uh, AL West that year. And then, um, I mean, dude, he, he had good seasons, 15 victories in each. 91, that's, that's probably when I first started my White Sox journey via WGN. We even got it down in the South. And, uh, you know, the 90s teams were a lot of fun. And uh, I, think, uh, I think he had a lot to do with that. Uh, hop in, Nick. I think he was acquired um, from the Rangers for uh, Harold Baines. And I think Sammy Sosa was in that deal as well. Uh, what a pick, man. Uh, he was, he, for a short period of time, uh, man, he was awesome. Yeah, off the top of my head, I might be putting you guys on the spot, but did, did anyone have a bigger Uncle Charlie? Did anyone have like a bigger 12 to 6 curveball off that big left hand than Wilson Alvarez? This is what I remember mostly from him. And uh, yeah, I mean, that 91 season, 2.95 ERA, 15 wins. And yeah, threw that no hitter in his second start. Um, struggle with the weight issues. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be real and let's be honest. Uh, but a total gamer, and man, yeah, one of my 
one of my more favorite players to watch because of that huge curveball. So Wilson Alvarez off the board. We're coming back to Pat Reedy. Real quick, Tommy John, Virgil Trucks, Sloppy Thurston, Charlie Huck <laughs> on Amazing. his roster right Amazing. now. Gosh. It's a murderer's row of – is that a real name? Uh, but uh, your pick right now in round number five, you got two picks left. Mr. I think Reedy's going to pick the uh, homeless prospect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I already did when his name was Sloppy. All right, uh, now we're going to play uh, – this is a pick and then a little bit of story time. So we're going to be reading from an article as my definition as to why I like this guy. Uh, also a grade school classmate of my mom. True story. Nick, do you know who it is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit him with it. Uh, Ed Farmio Farmer. White Sox winner. Yeah. R.I.P. Okay. A uh, classmate uh, at, at uh, uh, so this was an article that came out after he uh, passed away. It's a stadium where his, uh, his mom took him and his uh, brothers to go to Yankee Stadium, and they tried to get in, uh, and this, um, they go up to the gate. There was a security guard there, and she said, the mom said, I'm here from Chicago, and my sons, all they want to do is go inside Yankee Stadium. They just want to see it. The security guard was a real jerk, and he said, no, ma'am, get lost. Ed always remembered the security guard was missing a thumb. Somehow, someway, the security guard did not have a thumb, Rosen said. Now, fast forward 10 years. Farmer is in his early 20s in the big leagues in the visiting bullpen in Yankee Stadium. He was called in to pitch, uh, and a golf cart comes. It's shaped like a baseball. Farmer got in for his ride, and who's driving? According to uh, Farmer, quote, it's the same blankety-blank that told my mom to get lost. How does that know that? Well, the guy was also missing a thumb. And, and Farmer, Farmer while, uh, as he's waiting to get picked up, said, uh, you son of a bitch, you didn't let my mother and my brothers in, and now I'm – pitching in Yankee Stadium and you can go blank yourself he did not take the ride in the baseball mobile and instead walked to the mound furious and then struck out the side kind of like that story from a south side guy yeah yeah I don't think he uh Ed Farmer never seemed to suffer fools and by that I mean Darren Jackson DJ uh in those in those later years um yeah, Ed Farmer, uh, I, I was looking him up. His stats are a little uh, – I mean, you're, you're going character here over stats is what I'm reading. Is that correct? He's a south side guy. You got to like that. And, you know, like love the White Sox his whole life and then pitch for the White Sox. Also knows the mom. Had, you know, had to kind of – and he rounds out the squad so well. Yeah, shout out to the mom. Go ahead, Choi. Well, you know, I mean, I would actually beg to differ because, I mean, obviously for oh. most of his career, he was known as a setup guy. But, you know, in 1980, he had 30 saves, you know, was selected as an all-star. So, I mean, 30, sta 30 saves, especially in that era, that's nothing to joke at. So, uh, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Farmer, for sure. So, to clarify, is that your closer, Mr. Pat Reedy? Or do you uh, want him to be your starter? It's up to you. I was going to have him as a starter. I have, I have a closer choice. Okay, cool. We're going to keep Ed Farmer right there then. And keep him right there. Go ahead, Dave. I'm just pulling up a photo. I'm just saying, like, really, do, do we know for sure that you're the son of your father? How close <laughs> me. was – I mean, he might have – They didn't go to the same high school, but they, you, know, they you never know. They might have blankety-blanked. <laughs> blankety-blanked. And also interesting, the article set, printed the word bitch and then blankety-blanked everything else. <laughs> <laughs> John Cass in the Tribune. What's going on here? The budget cuts over there. Yeah, yeah, that was a tough. 
That's a tough Lack call for the editor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we get an ombudsman. All right, Ed Farmer off the board. Back to Mr. Mike Choi. You have Ed Walsh, Ted Lyons, Lucas Giolito, John Garland on your roster right now with two spots left. Where are you going? Can I just start by saying that uh, Pat has quickly become my arch nemesis because I, I, I never thought I would have started or gone into this pod thinking that Charlie Huff and Ed Farmer were stolen away from me because those are literally my picks. So <laughs> yeah. kudos to you. You know, I wanted, I wanted that wily old knuckleballer on my roster. And then, uh, you know, obviously I wanted to kind of give a shout out to Ed Farmer. Given that he yeah, away your, recently. Your, your team is missing a tough SOB right now. I mean, literally those are both my picks. So, so good job, Pat, on that one. So uh, I'm scrambling here. Um, Scott Schoenweiss. What a, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Hector Noisy. Jason Beret still available. <laughs> Jason Beret, um, the Fosh. I am. I, I'm going to go with uh, Jose Quintana. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, and this is mainly why I'm picking him. Um, I was looking at his numbers, and he was barely 500, if that, for the stocks. But uh, for whatever reason, was always highly regarded as a as a, a pitcher in the league. So much so that, um, and this is why I'm picking him. He is the reason we have Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease on our roster. Two cornerstones and, and Eloy, a potential superstar for the next 10 plus years. So uh, uh, that's why I'm going with Jose. He's, uh, he's hopefully uh, the reason why uh, the future for the Sox looks super bright. Hop in, Nick. I'm just going to say, uh, always remind David Kaplan of that, too. Uh, he loves hearing that story. Um, Boy, does he see red anytime you talk about Quintana and Assis uh, and uh, Jimenez. Hated the trade. And He's a Buick. Tell you about it. Um, yeah, and real quick, let's just fawn over Eloy Jimenez for a second. I mean, is this dude, not only do I like, like listening to him in interviews, and not only when you just look at the dude, you go, okay, that's a monster. But, man, sweet, sweet swing. I mean, I don't want to jump out on a, on a rail here, but this guy could be like a next Frank Thomas esque dude six five hits 300 310 35 home runs actually like is big time clutch uh you know has some personality i don't know i, I just want to hear you guys thoughts because i'm I, i'm just super excited for him go ahead choi i mean he literally looks like a defensive lineman in the nfl you know when, when i was at spring training i sent you that picture of him i mean he he is like a man child like he towered over everybody else so just he is just a superior, physically gifted athlete, and hopefully, you know that uh, that translates onto the field for the for years to come. Hop in, Pat. You got something? And, and that's what you guys uh, may remember when Frank first came. That's what everyone said. He looks like a football player in a baseball uniform, and that's the parallel to this dude. He is that physically gifted, that gigantic. When you see him in person, it doesn't seem real, and he's got so many tools. It's so early to tell, but. I really have high hopes uh, for, you know, if he had two thirds of the career of Frank Thomas, I will be a very happy White Sox fan. Go ahead, Nick. Does he stay uh, as a left fielder though? Or are you worried for his defense causing injuries, making some ridiculous attempts? And do we move him to DH eventually? Cause his bat is just, you can't miss that in the lineup, you know? I, I think you try and do some outfield with him for the next couple of years at least, but I'm right there with you, man. He's already injured himself. Yeah. playing the outfield like two or three times. So that in itself like gives you plenty of pause. I mean, I do think in the end, he is definitely going to be an outfielder. Um, you know, I mean, how much, how, like how much, how like actually 
solid can you get at a defensive position without actually becoming a liability? And the fact mm-hmm. that you actually get hurt trying to play the position. I mean, Kyle Schwarber isn't a good outfielder, but he's not going to like hurt himself by running into the wall and doing all this other kind of stuff. So I do see him as a DH. The other thing that I love about him a lot is he's kind of like a sports. He's kind of like the eye. He's an eye test breaker. Like, like you've watched thousands of games on TV, right? And sometimes when you see the ball leave the bat, not just the sound, but just the trajectory, you're like, oh, that's gone. You see Paul Canerco catch a curveball, and you just see it on that line, and you're like, oh, that's toast. With Eloy, he could hit a ball almost like a fly ball to right field. And you're like, oh, he kind of got under it. And then it just towers and lofts into the third row. And I think that's what's kind of so unique and special about him. And um, by far, I think he's – I mean, all the Andrew Vaughns, the Mancadas, all this other stuff. I think by far, I think he's the, he's the jewel. He's the centerpiece. I think he's going to be, you know, a guaranteed rate field. I think he's going to be the big guy on all the banners everywhere. Dave, go ahead. I just want to bring it back to Jose real quick. Um, you know, the thing I always like about Jose is, Joey, we've you know. seen Jose more than any other pitcher out here in Los Angeles. Seems like every time we go to an Angels game, it was Jose pitching. And the beauty is, is we would get really cheap seats in the bleachers, and anytime Jose was pitching, we could probably catch a couple home runs. It was a beautiful thing. We had a terrible streak. Even when, like, they played the Dodgers. The Sox would play the Dodgers, and we would go see them. And it'd be Jose Quintana on the mound. What yeah. the hell was going on? We couldn't yeah. catch a break. Never, never once. Jose Quintana off the board. Nick Morawski coming up. Blackjack McDowell. Lamar Hoy. El Duque. Johnny Danks. Two spots mm. left on your roster. It's crunch time. It's nut time. What do you got? I got, I got two that I'm kind of tossing around here. Um, I think uh, I'm going to take a page out of Rispoli's book here, though, and I'm going to go a little early with my closer because I, I, I want to grab this guy. Yeah. Uh, this was a guy from my youth. I mean, when this guy came into a game, it was lights out for a couple seasons. Of course, he's got the single season record. Uh, and then, and then his, his nickname turned into Pigpen, and uh, he kind of lost his player. <laughs> Uh, and then we shipped him to the Phillies. Uh, but for that, for that like stretch of seven years, man, this guy was the guy, Bobby Thigpen. Yes. Bobby Thigpen. Well, uh, do you guys remember that? Um, oh God, it was, I think it was a Topps baseball card. And it was the, they had the MVPs in the back. And it was a Bobby Thigpen Topps card. I remember like the first time I actually really like got that card. And I got a chance to see him up close. He's kind of a Joe Dirt looking dude. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. uh, a little Joe Exotic. <laughs> yeah, I think he lived a simple life. I think sleeves, uh, I think sleeves were a nuisance uh, in, his, uh, in his dressing decor uh, growing up. But yeah, 57 saves. Can't mess around with that. I mean, never really got close to those heights again, but putting that one season on your fantasy team, uh, I think you got yourself a gem there, Mr. Morales. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I thought so too. I think that's a big time. Um, all right, guys. So, we're coming up to me. I got my last two picks, and then we're coming down. Uh, we got a lot of closers on the board, so I'm going to have to take care of some biz on that end. And I want to take this guy so bad, but I can't. Uh, so I'm going to take Roberto Hernandez, the closer of our youth. Uh, Roberto Hernandez came in throwing some heat. I always felt like, for some reason, I felt like an, a kinship to him and Pedro Serrano or something like that when the movie Major League came out. Just came in pumping gas. Quiet guy, mustache. Best season, 38 saves, 1.91 ERA, 85 Ks and 84 innings. Um, I mean, he went on and did some other stuff, too. He pitched for a bunch of other teams for a long time, had himself a really long career. 
you know, dare I say the Sox got rid of him too soon. Um, and I think he's, what, top two, top three all-time in saves? He's going to go with Roberto Hernandez on that pick. Uh, go ahead, Dave. I love that pick, and it's funny you bring up Major League again. I just re-watched it the other night for a little nostalgia, and I'm such a Sox fan that I was rooting against them the whole time. <laughs> In Major League Two, it's all about the Sox. It's yeah. great. <laughs> We're the bad boys, and I love it. Yeah, Jack, Jack Parkman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, whatever. The Indians, they get their stuff in the movies. That's that's pretty much that's all it. they get. That's, that's all they get after that. Yeah, that's they're, they're fine. They get. They're fine over there. Uh, and so I'm going to make my final pick right here, and I'm going to kind of go out of the box because I've been thinking about this for a long time. I am going – the year is 2000, folks. Uh, I'm going Mike Soraka. Mikey Soraka, 15-game winner, 3.79 ERA. And funny side story, uh, the year is 2000. I'm 15, 16 years old. Uh, I got pimples everywhere. Uh, not a girlfriend within a five-mile radius of me. And Mike Soraka was on CLTV one night on a sports talk show. And I called him up and had a lovely conversation with him about everything baseball and nerd uh, for about five minutes on a CLTV talk show. Nice guy, great guy, good goatee, right in the middle of that fantastic White Sox goatee era, started by Alex Fernandez, finished by Paul Canerco, Mike Soraka right in the middle. I'm going with him. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, I was just going to say that 2000 team, Jim Parquet, hopefully I didn't steal anybody uh, if you're thinking about this guy. <laughs> that, that rotation right there. And then how bad did it hurt that they lost to the, to the Mariners in that first round? They had such a fun team. Thomas second in the C, uh, in MVP voting. Amazing that, season. Man, yeah. that was such a fun team, that 2000 club. Yeah, and you look at it, that rotation had James Baldwin, Parquet, Soraka. I mean, literally a team put together by duct tape because, you know, within a year, God, some of those guys weren't even in the league anymore. And we were just like, oh, these are, these are core pieces. Well, you know, we've got this all figured out. Um, but, yeah, I'll just never forget Mike Soraka. He was almost – Almost like an early version of Burley, just kind of very workmanlike, had a really big season gamer. That's a sentimental pick. I'm going with him. My lineup is done. We're coming back to Murawski for your final selection. You got one starter left on your board. Who are you going with? Okay, so uh, this guy, I'm going back to the 60s and early 70s. These are the red unis. Uh, these are the red socks unis that they wore. And, uh, well, I'm going with the other knuckleballer that's well-known for the White Sox. This guy, just he just started games, man. He's, he had most games in the season with 88 games. He started. He, he, played, he, he did a little bit of both in his career. But as a starter, uh, I'm going with Wilbur Wood. Yes. Um, the knuckleballer. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He had, some, he had some stellar seasons in the late 60s. That was those Dick Allen, Bill Melton teams. Those are some fun teams. Uh, Wilbur. Uh, he was the glue for that rotation. Yeah, I got 1971, 22 and 13, 1.91 ERA, 210 Ks, 334 innings pitched. Um, I mean, those are those are Haas numbers right there. Uh, 334 innings pitched with a 1.91 ERA. Uh, that's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of whiffs. You know what I mean? So uh, that's that's a great pick right there. Um, and yeah, you. You're all set with your lineup there. We've got Choi with one more spot left. He's got to pick a closer. He's got, he doesn't have a closer. Who's he going with? Well, uh, facial hair keeps coming up. So uh, with that in mind, we got to go with the guy with the Fu Manchu, uh, the Goose Gossage, 
closer for the White Sox, came up in 72, played four years with the Sox. Um, two All-Stars, he had a total of nine, and obviously a Hall of Famer. And then we traded him for the uh, legendary Silvio Martinez and Richie Zisk. Um, but yeah, man, if uh, you want to talk about just an iconic look and a guy who was just at his peak, just super menacing because of that mustache, I mean, uh, Goose Gossage has got to be, you know, one of the names at the top of that list. Yeah, your team was definitely missing a raging lunatic. Uh, and you found it on the back end when Tumster diving for Goose Gossage. Ask Goose a question. He'll give you his opinion no matter what. Go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, he wore shorts as well. He was on that team that wore shorts in 76. <laughs> Tough guys wear shorts. Remember, the, that was the theme that year. Tough guys wear shorts. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, all right, so we got Choi. Your lineup is done. Pat Reedy, you got a closer that you got to pick on your team. And then, Dave, you got a starter. And then we, uh, we have our rosters. This is going to surprise folks, but I'm going off the beaten path a bit here. Uh, <laughs> You've been so straight and narrow, my friend. So buttoned up. with me here because it, it, it hits the pitching angle in two ways here. Going with a reliever uh, brought up earlier in the pod, as well as my World War II thing, the Charlie Huff. And now, September of 2012, folks, and an 18-9 blowout to the Twinkies. Dwayne Wise came in a relief and threw a scoreless <laughs> inning. <laughs> threw 12 changeups, averaging 74.81 miles per hour. Topped out at 77. Uh, gave the nod. The, the other reason we have to give Dwayne the nod on, on my fantasy squad is who could forget the catch? Mm. Top of nine, 2-2 two, two count, no out. Early has to get one over. Uh, and the ball goes to left center. And if you watch that clip again, from where Dwayne Wise started to it's where he it. ended up, that ball to you know, keep the uh, perfect game alive was unbelievable. Also, a defensive replacement in that inning had not played prior to that. Came in, they moved Pesednik to left, and Dwayne Wise went into center. Uh, so for those two reasons, uh, Dwayne Wise is my uh, pick-to-click for my reliever. Yeah, when they do the path track on it, literally, if Dwayne Wise had taken a step six inches to the left or the right, he probably would not have gotten to that baseball. He took the absolute perfect path to it to catch that ball. Dave, go ahead. The Dwayne Wises of the world are my favorite sports stories, right? Especially watching like the last dance and seeing like Paxson hit that shot or something. Like there's a couple guys who have one play and they can eat for free the rest of their lives in Chicago. Dwayne Wise, one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to tell Dave, Pablo Ozuna was not allowed to be drafted uh, at any point during this draft. He's a Swiss Army knife, baby. <laughs> what can he do? We had, to have a, we had to have a big, 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 long talk. I mean, yeah, it sort of started with, like, the fridge, right? Like, the 85 Bears, the fridge. Like, what did he do? Just kind of run the ball in from the one-yard line a couple of times. And then you just create that infamy. Uh, Dwayne Wise, I'm trying to think of some other dudes, like, off the top of my head that just do, yeah, John Paxson, Steve Kerr. Um, Dwayne Wise off the board, guys. Um, I mean, I'm gonna say it's a bit of a stretch, but uh, we got it. We got it all the way. Coming in at 74.8 miles per hour. Dave, uh, final pick of the White Sox starting rotation plus one closer fantasy draft, and he's happy. It looks like he got the man that he wanted. Yeah. Well, first off, I think we should do a few honorable mentions. There's some guys on this list that that did not get drafted that I was a little surprised about. 
Um, 2007, 213 strikeouts. I mean, he's just got a special place in my heart for a little bit because Hawk would go, Javi on the mound. Javier Vasquez, not my pick, but honorable mention. Um, really surprised to see Phil Umber still on the board. We could just get that one game. It'd be a lot of fantasy points, but just not worth the <laughs> other games. Tommy John's um, there in spirit. Yeah, but this is a very special pick near dear to my heart. If you look at my lineup right now, I outweigh all the other fantasy lineups right now. You I got the some, fattest team. <laughs> I got some fattest teams, and it's about to get a lot fatter. Just take a little whiff. What is that? Is that a polo sport? Is that jupe? That is Bartolo Cologne, baby. <laughs> Two thousand three. Yeah, 15 and 13, 387 ERA, 242 yes. innings pitch, 173 Ks, workhorse. That is one inning per pound on his body. <laughs> that is impressive. Uh, <laughs> it was a fun – 2003 was a fun year. Uh, but just seeing such a – he's still playing, I feel like. He's like – he's about 350 right now, and he's still throwing somewhere. <laughs> I just, I, I just love the guy. I got to put him on the team. My favorite part is he was so huge that the ball looked tiny in his swollen, chubby paw. Like, he would just, like, hold it like some sort of tiny little Fabergé egg and then just yeah. sort of toss it in there. Bartolo Colon, that's a good pick. Real quick before we say goodbye, guys, yeah, some honorable mentions. Um, and we can go around the room and see if anyone thinks that someone got snubbed. 2008 Gavin Floyd, 17-game winner. Jake Peavy did not make any other rosters. Javi Vasquez, I don't think he made it on the team because we actually traded El Duque to get him, which is, I think, a sore spot among White Sox fans. Mm. Um, 1907, Doc White, uh, Addison Reed, Keith Folk for closers. And then, I can't believe it, man, Mr. Zero, Shingo Takatsu. Didn't make it. Uh, What's going on? The, yeah. the, the Frisbee ball. I mean, if we had kept going, I know he would have made it to Reedy's roster. But um, let's just go around the room real quick, you guys. This was awesome. This was super fun. Uh, I'm actually going to do – I'm going to read off your roster and then just give us some parting thoughts, and then we're going to say goodbye. So we're going to start with Dave's, uh, David Spoley's roster, <laughs> the Chunky Boys, the Big Chunks, Mark Burley, Billy Pierce, Freddie Garcia, Wilson Alvarez, Bartolo Colon, and Bobby Jenks is your squad. How do you feel? team as good as gold <laughs> he love, he's loving it <laughs> pat reedy tommy john virtual trucks sloppy thurston charlie huff ed farmer and Dwayne wise pat reedy your thoughts did the board shake out the way that you wanted it to you know it was able to get the guys that i wanted which i uh, wasn't <laughs> sure about that before the draft uh but very happy about that uh, some guys that I didn't use, uh, Keith Folk uh, possibly would have been on this list because he had some fun seasons uh, where he was pretty unstoppable. And David Wells gets an honorable mention because he was one of the big free agency guys that we got from a larger market that decided to come to the Sox. And that felt like somewhat of a moral victory at the time because we weren't getting big free agents like that unless they were 10 years past their prime. So um, those would be my honorable mention guys. Yeah, that was a huge deal at the time. Too bad he didn't want really anything to do with the city or playing professional sports at the time. Uh, Mike Choi, your team, Ed Walsh, Ted Lyons, Lucas Giolito, John Garland, Jose Quintana, and Goose Gossage as your closer. How are you? How are you feeling? Uh, not good at all. Cause echoing Pat's point, I was, uh, I was not able to get the guys I wanted surprisingly because he stole Charlie Huff and Ed Farmer from my roster. 
Um, but uh, no, no, I'm pretty happy with my roster. Uh, one guy I was kind of eyeing because he was actually one of my favorites was Jason Beret, who had some really good years before he kind of uh, broke down, you know, because of injury. So, um, but yeah, I feel pretty solid in my pitchers. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to some baseball, man. I should have been at that Sox Angels game a couple weeks ago. So it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking. So I'm hoping the season starts up soon. Yeah, I'm hoping it's coming too. Yeah, for me, Jason Bure, like for Chicago sports fans, Jason Bure for me was kind of Kerry Wood before Kerry Wood. Like the young phenom who came up out of nowhere, was pitching lights out. And after those first two starts, it literally was like, hey, dad, like what time is it? Jason Bure's pitching today. Let's go check him out. Let's go check out the Fosh and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it didn't stick around, but uh, yeah, amazing rookie season. Go ahead, Pat. And Bure, much like a Dave Rispoli, great hair. Oh, yeah. Um, amazing <laughs> yeah fantastic fantastic hair and uh cool gold chain too as well i'm not sure what uh what his background is but yeah he definitely rocked that that gold chain that would flop up on out of his jersey all right nick morowski your team blackjack mcdowell lamar hoy el duque johnny danks wilbur wood bobby thick pen how you feeling did you come out with some gold are you happy yeah i was going after cy young's you know those are long low-hanging fruit but i feel like you got to go after the cy young's the socks haven't had a lot of them and the seasons that those guys had i i was going in with that and, and big pin was my number one reliever so i had to gobble him up uh i want to applaud all of you for not mentioning uh, jeff samarja uh even just for novelty <laughs> purposes uh, that would have been a disaster and i gotta say uh you know, the amount of times I talk socks with either Reedy or anybody else, and he comes up with names. I've never heard of some of these guys that he, uh, he quoted here. Uh, so kudos to that. Uh, I, would all, I also had Keith Folk, and I'm glad we talked about him. He had, he had some great years for the Sox. And the one thing I would say is if we could just, you know, the, the, some of the pitchers that have the most upside, you know, Cease and Kopech, those guys are going to be studs. I really believe that. Uh, we don't have good sample sizes, but don't give up on those guys. This is going to be an exciting rotation. Yeah, I think the best part about the White Sox situation right now is especially because we're not playing baseball, the one thing that a lot of teams are thinking about is like, you know, from a Cubs perspective, you're like, oh, well, you're just missing Johnny Lester's last year or you're missing so-and-so's prime year and so on and so forth. But the White Sox situation outside of what? Edwin Ar Encarnacion. All these dudes are still like right there in the thick or if not that on the come. And, you know, you got to sort of like their situation. I mean, and in this point too, as well, if we do resume playing baseball, Kopik is going to be a hundred percent. And so Cease is going to be ready to roll. Oh yeah. You heard me. Yeah. You, you, you heard it. Go, Dave, go ahead. Carlos Rodon, you know, who knows what he's got left still. Sure. Absolutely. Dave, what do you think? Just to put a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, this was tweeted by ESPN's Jeff Passan. Teams are telling players to get ready and get in shape. MLB is expected to send a return to play proposal to the union soon. The gears for baseball are a moving. Yes. Beautiful day for baseball. Bobby Thurston, you get ready too, sir. <laughs> yeah, and all the dudes that haven't been playing are thinking about coming out of retirement. My final roster, Chris Sale, Esteban Loaiza, Jose Contreras, Alex Fernandez, Mike Soraka, Roberto Hernandez, that's going to do it, you guys. Thank you so much for joining me here on Betting Chicago. This was Dave Spoli, Pat Reedy, Mike Choi, Nick Morawski, all uh, Southside fiends. This is our White Sox starting rotation closer all-time draft. I do want to do the offense in the lineup. I kind of wanted to see how this went at first. Not to make it too big of a thing to chew on, but maybe it's something we can think about and bring you guys back in the future to do. 
Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Dave, you got a final word? Yeah, uh, we went through an entire uh, podcast where players were getting off the board and not one time did we say, he gone. <laughs> so Missed opportunities, Dave. As far as this podcast, as far as this podcast is concerned, we gone. We got a lot of work to do. Time to grab some bench. Thank you so much, you guys, for joining us. This was Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.